Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash new music industry. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Today I've got a very special episode. I wanted to do a post-mortem and review of the DIY Musician Conference in Austin, which was now about a month ago. But who better to have on the show to help me wrap this up than founder and CEO of Musician Monster, Greg Willnow. So how are you, Greg? Doing great, David. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. And I guess just for a little bit of context... Greg and I managed to meet up down in Austin, and it was kind of a fluke accident because we didn't know we would both be there at the same time. No, we didn't. It was cool. I was coming out of, I think it was one of the talks, and I walked by, and I kind of just glanced over, and I, you know, I, I saw the name tag, David Andrew from Music Entrepreneur, and I was like, no way. I just kept on walking. I just <laughs> I thought maybe I was seeing things. So I kept walking, and I turned around, I looked back, and I was like, that's David. What's up, man? Yeah. And it was just really cool. We hung out the whole time. We did. We did. And it was ended up being a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's not that there weren't people I didn't know there, but they were all kind of working, right, at their various booths, or they were doing some presenting, or in the case of, like, Kevin Bruner or, or Chris Robley, they're, you know, they're doing podcast recordings and this, that, and the other. So, really, it was great to have someone else that wasn't, uh, didn't have any commitments and wasn't obligated to be at their booth or whatever to spend some time with. Yeah, man, absolutely. Yeah. So, what did you, what did you get out of the, uh, I know you're not interviewing me, but I'm curious, I'm, cu- I'm totally <laughs> curious. What did you get out of the conference? Why do you think that, it, you know, it's, it's a good thing to go to? What did you get out of it? Yeah, that's perfect. We should definitely go back and forth on on any questions. You know, I found the conference to be really chill. And and that was kind of surprising to me because, you know what, some conferences, some events can be a little stressful (laughs) and harried. There can be like so many people, so many booths, so many places to go around or breakout sessions to go to that it can frankly just start to feel very overwhelming. I really did not... I did not get that sense from this conference at all. It wasn't too small, but it wasn't too big. You know what I mean? It was, it was a good size. You could meet whoever you wanted to meet, at, or if you if you knew who they were. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Yeah. Like, many of the people that I've built a relationship with online, I got a chance to meet in person. And and just like you, I had those moments, too, where I was looking at, staring at someone's name tag going, holy crap, is that so-and-so? And then I go up and introduce myself, and sure enough... And then we have a conversation about, you know, whatever we were working on together online. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. It's always weird meeting people who you've only previously met online. You know, it's almost like they're a celebrity. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, they're they're in real person. Right. They're they're in person right now. I think that meeting somebody in real life always kind of solidifies the relationship where like it's not official until you meet in person. But it's it's interesting because I don't know if you're um, if you're anything like me, I'm pretty introverted. You know, I'm a musician. I'm super creative, and I like I'm very comfortable being alone and by myself. <laughs> uh, so I'm always nervous whenever I go to conferences. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I've never I've never regretted like so. This I think this was my second or third conference. 
Um, and the first conference I went to was super nervous uh, because I had been just working from home and doing my music business um, from home. And I was like, you know, super awkward <laughs> around people. You know, I've, I've always been awkward around people. Uh, I'm just def- definitely not that suave, oper- smooth operator. Um, but this conference, you're right, dude. It felt a lot different. It was super casual, mm-hmm. uh, no pressure. I liked it too because most of the people there obviously were musicians. So I definitely got the impression that um, it was casual on purpose. Yeah, I think it must have been because another thing too is that I I just got the sense that these are people that get me, you know, and and maybe it's because for the first time in a while I'm actually getting out and and seeing some of the people who would be my my target audience for for this podcast or for my blog or for the website or or what have you. But I just found that, you know, I wasn't getting like a a deer in the headlights dead stare from people when I started talking about what I'm doing. (laughs) Whereas where I live in Calgary, all, all the time people just have no clue you talk about internet business you talk about authoring books you talk about advertising or affiliate marketing or whatever and, and most and people, people are just like yep that's cool okay that's interesting so do you yeah. do you make any money at that it's like well <laughs> or do you like sports or they change the subject? they don't even know see that's the thing like it's so important i think to be around other people who are into what you do and if you're a musician there's a difference between somebody who's a musician and somebody who's determined to make it on their own right mm-hmm. who's made that decision and instead of just hoping somebody will discover them and do th- make things happen for them somebody who a musician who has said okay it's up to me i'm gonna do it bring it on you know so being around other musicians who are like that and have that mindset is so freaking critical to staying encouraged focused motivated and inspired and mm-hmm. to me that's one of the biggest things uh, benefits of going to these things you you, you leave so uh, energized right yeah and you never know who you could meet too you know what i mean absolutely no i absolutely felt energized going to this conference and you know i was pretty burnt out going into it so like i've been trying to take a couple of vacations this past summer and I still had to be mindful of like my own energy. Like if, if I didn't feel like, or I didn't feel like I could wake up, you know, super early to be there uh, early, I didn't. And if I didn't feel like I, st- I could stay late, I didn't. I just took care of myself instead. Yeah. But <clears throat> I still tried to soak in as much as I possibly could while I was there. Cause you know, this only happens once a year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious to know what, what you, and again, I'm not interviewing you. You're you're interviewing me. I'm a guest on your podcast. I guess we're just having a ca- casual conversation here, so no pressure. Exactly. But I was wondering. I think we we talked about this when we were at the conference, mm-hmm. um, and it was the purpose of going, right? Yeah. And I was telling you that personally, my perspective when I go to a conference isn't necessarily to learn things as much, even though that can be uh, an, an a result, an implicit result of going. I think, mm-hmm. but my intention of going is to meet people, right? Yeah. So, and I, I was curious as to what, what your thoughts were on that about, because obviously people who are listening to this are going to be interested in the conference and maybe the benefits of going and maybe they might not want to go. They're not sure if it'd be worth it. Um, so I'm just wondering if we could kind of talk about that, maybe your own 
mm. uh, interpretations about what your thoughts are on the motivation to go. I mean, some of the motivating factors for me, I'll just start there, are that, you know, I applied to be a speaker there <clears throat> and I guess their roster was pretty full. Now, my impression of what is going on at the conference right now is that it's actually still fairly small. And I would imagine, you know, there's going to be certain limitations on personnel as well as monetary resources to have a lot more breakout sessions than they already did. That's just my impression. But the, my point being that, you know, I didn't get to, I didn't get to speak at the CDBAB DIY musician conference. And instead I was given a free ticket. <laughs> so, you know, that did not, oh, sweet. yeah, that didn't cover my expenses as far as traveling to Austin or, you know, food or lodging or any of that was concerned, but the free ticket was pretty strong motivator because I'd heard about this thing for a few years now. I kept getting invites. I kept getting PR people say, we'll introduce you to this, that, and the other. And finally I just said, you know, I got to go. And Part of that, too, like if you're given a free ticket to an event, don't you think the implicit messages, you know, we're interested, you, you just need to show your face, you know, yeah, like especially exactly. in the case yeah. of a presenter? I, I feel like that's, that's sort of implicit in the message, too. And so I felt it was very important for me to show my face. But I think your intention to, to meet people is absolutely spot on. <laughs> I feel like that's something musicians miss. You know, they, they go to these things, these hugely inspiring environments where they could meet just about anybody, very influential people in the industry, and they end up meeting mm -hmm. no one. And then secondly, yeah. there's all these opportunities to engage on social media and tweet about the event and post about the event and Instagram the event or whatever, and they don't do that either. So often I didn't. <laughs> I have a good question. You were you were there. I think you were in Simon Tan's uh, Simon Tan's talk, which was awesome yeah. about social media, and you were tweeting about his talk on social media, <laughs> and I was sitting there going, "Yep." I hate social media. <laughs> exactly. I'm not doing idiots. <laughs> you know what? If it's not your thing, that's okay. I just see all these opportunities that, that people sometimes miss. Uh, but I, I think just based on my training and everything that I've learned and discovered to this point, a conference is a place where you make a decision. You may or may not learn something. You may or may not meet someone who will change your career. But you will come across people who are inspiring and in that moment, it's up to you. You can make a decision to change your direction, make a decision to make your dreams a reality. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So if somebody, okay, so we talked about that. I'm wondering if somebody was unsure about whether or not going to a conference like this would be worth it. So like specifically the DIY musician conference, mm -hmm. what, like let's say like the cost to 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 fly out for example let's say the ticket wasn't too bad it was you know it was a few hundred bucks yes um but how much did it cost you to to fly out the, the what was the price of the plane ticket to fly from Calgary to to Austin which is like halfway across North America yeah exactly first of all i couldn't even fly directly to Austin apparently there are some flights coming out soon that will allow us to travel directly from Calgary to Austin, but, but there are none at this time. So that meant that I flew to San Francisco and then to Austin. And there's a few different options as far as where you can, you know, have a 
connecting flight from, but that's the one that kind of seemed to, to make the most sense to me based on timing. And I believe between the two flights probably would have been four or $500 Canadian. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I think my flight from, um, central Florida, which I was direct to Austin was only like 75 bucks. Hmm. So maybe it's, uh, I'm sure that the reason for that is because I was traveling within the States. Like when we were in Europe all last year, mm-hmm. we were traveling throughout Europe, like especially through the EU to fly. It was really inexpensive. I think flying depends on where you're flying from, but the cost to fly, because um, unless you get super lucky, like and you're in the city, I think next year the DIY Musician Conference is going to be in Austin again. Yes. But so unless you're lucky, you know, you're going to have to fly to get out there. Uh, but what what I use is Google Flights, and the earlier you get on the flight, the you know the buy your ticket, the less expensive it will be. So I just did. I bought a few months in advance. It was like seventy five bucks round trip, and then I stayed at an, an Airbnb hmm. for for three nights, and it was like, I mean, the whole thing was like under, I want to say under five hundred bucks to go. <laughs> yeah, you did it like a boss. I'm I'm learning from you. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, you have a head start on this whole digital nomad and traveling thing. Yeah, I suppose that's true. <laughs> so that's so. So whoever, if you're listening right now, you want to go. You're worried about cost. You know, take the, take this advice, right? Like, do Airbnb, Google Flights, book in advance, and the earlier you you, you take action on it, the better. They're, so what they do is they'll steadily increase incrementally increase the price of the tickets. All right, and so. Make the decision early on and go, right? The reason they yes. do that is because you'll never make the decision. Like, if there's no urgency there, like, we'll, it'll, easy, it'll be easy for us to sit on the fence and, and, not, and choose not to go. So if you're thinking about it and you want to go, but you're not, and you, and you want to go, then just do it. Like, save your spot, lock in the low price, and then earlier you take action, the, uh, the least expensive less it'll be. And and you'll get a lot out of it too. And if you go, I'm gonna go next year. I'm sure Andrew is, and he's gonna be. Mm-hmm. You might even be speaking this year. I don't know if I will. Um, next, <laughs> it's next, possible. Next year. Yeah, possible. Um, but come say hi to us. Yeah, absolutely. If you're gonna be there and you hear this show, come on. Yeah, come say hi. Let us know that you heard this. We'll have a beer. Yeah, absolutely. We will. And and that was one of the great things about it is really sitting down and talking after the fact, you know, after the sessions went over, Greg and I went downstairs, <clears throat> went to the, the hotel lounge, which is, you know, just right there when you come down the stairs and, and just hung out and chatted there. And that likewise, you know, you saw people like Dave cool or other pe- uh, people who had booths or presenters just sitting there chatting with each other too. Yeah, and they do like exclusive offers that you can only get when you're at conferences like this. So it's super worth it. And you never know what could happen too. I think Rick Barker pulled me on his stage, <laughs> pulled me on the stage for his presentation, and that he was did. super cool. Yeah, I got to meet Cheryl B. Engelhart. Yes. After her presentation, I was able to grab her laptop for her, and she ended up coming on my podcast because of it. Because obviously, Ooh. you know, reciprocity, right? And that was cool. Um, so yeah, you never know what could happen. Yeah, how did you feel when Rick called you up on stage? <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit, what's he gonna be doing? What's he doing?" <laughs> no, it was cool. I'm totally comfortable. I'm actually more comfortable being on stage than doing like a live 
presentation online with like a webinar or something. I get super nervous when I do webinars, but on stage, I'm pretty fine. And plus Rick, you know, he just, he's just like, it's like, oh, whatever, you know, just, <laughs> well, you know, good stuff. You do one thing and expect it to be all the same. Like, for example, podcasting. This is a fairly relaxed chat. You know, there's no pressure. But suddenly you get onto video and it's a whole other world. And suddenly you go on stage and it's a whole other world, right? Yes. Yeah, like degrees of comfort and what you're used to and being out of your comfort zone. As soon as you, it's just like music, you know? Like, even being on stage for the first time playing a new song, it's uncomfortable. Like, you've practiced it so many times in in rehearsal and then you you get comfortable doing it at rehearsal and then the first time you do it live in front of an audience whether it's you know a room of no people or a room of 500 people you know there are degrees of, of comfort so the yeah. more you do something the more comfortable you get but yeah the first time is always you know it's always uncomfortable but for some reason webinars haven't gotten any more comfortable for me <laughs> i think i just need to do i think i've done like 10, 15 webinars, maybe. I need to do some more. But I still get nervous as hell. Ah, you'll get better, man. For sure you will. I remember doing all those gigs to get to the point where I felt comfortable performing live. It was many, many gigs. And I was really down on myself at first, like super critical. I would just be like, oh, that was a terrible show. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. Uh, and part of the reason is like, I feel very comfortable on stage at this point performing yeah, as, as a too. musician, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Way more comfortable than doing anything else. Like even like doing podcast interviews or like this one isn't bad, but you know, there's no pressure, it's casual, but yeah. It's way easier to be a musician on stage than it is to me to, you know, engage like in uh, like a business setting, uh whether it be uh -huh. free content or doing some kind of talk or something. Because I've done it so many times, you know, I've done it as a musician. I've done it way more of part of my life than I have this this stuff so um sometimes i'm just like can i just go back to that um can i just but you know there's there's phases in life right there's phases and um not that i haven't stopped doing music you know uh and i'm never going to but yeah. <clears throat> it's time right now to to network and meet people and and grow my business and focus on that and then you know i think next year i'm going to start doing the music part again um hmm. and then th this last year i took a break from the music and focused on building it and then uh you know that's the cool thing you know if you need because i got super burned out right like yeah um i was just sitting in my room writing music playing a few gigs and hoping something would happen and then it started to grow like really like like a lot and then i got super burnt out so then i started investing in scaling my music business and i needed to learn you know, a few things. And that's what's cool about the conferences is um, one of the things that I was super bad at was talking to people. <laughs> so I needed to get better at that. So that's what the, um, you know, the conferences offer a great, offer a great opportunity to do that. Well, yeah. And first of all, like I really relate to your story. I'm sort of been in the same position too. I don't know if I ever got burnt out on music per se. I mean, I kind of have my love and hate moments with it, but, yep. but yeah. you know, it just kind of came to the point where uh, I wanted to, to have, take a closer look at the practical side of life. And I really genuinely got excited about business. I know it's strange to say, because some people listening can't necessarily relate to that whole thing of, music entrepreneurship and what that and what that means to them but to me yeah it was just like the most exciting thing i could possibly imagine and it's one of the reasons that i wanted to take a closer look 
like you, I don't think I'll ever quit making music and I don't want to die with the best song in me. And I've got my best songs uh, yeah. to record yet at this point. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My thing too is I didn't want, I wanted to be heard. You know what I mean? Like I felt like, I, I, I told the story before, I guess I could tell for your audience, but I was, a few years ago, I was, I was playing, I had always been in a band, like I was playing, you know, practicing all the time. I was always in a band doing live music. And I was doing music on the side and doing my uh, uh, going to my day job to earn income, right? So I was a construction worker, and I was a construction worker in Florida, which is really hot. You know, it's freaking hot. Yeah. And my day job as a construction worker was I installed air conditioning HVA systems in residential and commercial buildings. And one day, it was the middle of summer, and I was in an attic, right? And the day before, I had this gig, and there were a ton of people there. It was a great gig. Um I just made no money. I was making no money for my music, and I was like really getting burnt out because you can only do something so long and, and not get paid. Like it's not about the money. No, it was never about the money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not sustainable, you know, not to earn income from that. Like it's it's being paid to do something to do what you love is the most inspirational feeling that you could ever feel. I don't yeah. like writing music is, is different, but then to somebody for somebody else to say, okay, I value what you're doing. Here's my hard earned money. It just totally validates it in a way that I can't describe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and I hadn't, hadn't I, up to that point, I had never really felt that. So I was in that attic and I was asking myself, why, you know, what have I done wrong with, um, and I just, I can't describe what really happened, but the answer came to me and, and I realized that the reason I hadn't made money, um, was because I was hoping somebody else would figure it out for me. I was hoping somebody else would do it for me. And that was all totally subconscious. Like I had never known that the only reason I wasn't making money is because I had hoped somebody else would do it. And therefore I hadn't just made the decision to figure it out for myself. Hmm. And as soon as that came into my awareness, it was like a light bulb went off, a literal light bulb moment. And I was like, well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a choice to make. I could clearly make a choice, keep doing what I had always done or figure something out. Mm-hmm. So I went home and I put together this little, like I called it my five phase plan to make money for my live gigs. And this isn't a marketing thing. Like this is really what it, really what I did. I wrote it at the top and it was just a simple spreadsheet. I broke it into five steps, all right? Mm-hmm. Things that I needed to do to start making money from the gigs I was already playing. And within one month, I was making over $1,000 per month from, from my life music, and it grew from there. Hmm. And it was at that point um, that I was like, okay, I need to share this with other people. And the bottleneck was always me getting out of my comfort zone to talk to other people about my music and my music business. Hmm. And that was one of the reasons that motivated me to go to conferences. Because it's degrees of comfort, you know what I mean? Like the first degree of comfort was... I had to admit to myself that it was my fault that I was not getting the results that I wanted. And then that empowered me to then say, okay, I now choose otherwise. And I was able to make a decision and take action on that. And then the bottleneck was, well, I suck at talking to people. It's totally uncomfortable. So then I could say, okay, well, then I now choose otherwise. I'm going to get comfortable at it and start going to conferences. Mm. And as you know, through that, the business continues to grow as you overcome these different degrees of comfort in these plateaus and you address them face on. And it's really cool because it's really similar with music, mm-hmm. you know, as we learn new skills with our music, practice our fundamentals, our scales, our rudiments, that never goes away, right? We build on that. And it's the same thing with business, which is cool. 
that I think what you were talking about earlier is when I realized that business is the same as learning music. Learning business is the same as learning music. That's when it clicked. I was like, oh, my God, it's the same freaking thing. Mm. And every skill that I learned as a musician applied. Like, if you can learn a mu- if you can become a musician, if you can learn music, you can do freaking anything, dude. And I think that's what I realized. So mm. that was a little tangent there. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I appreciate you sharing that. And something I heard recently that I really liked, until you confront the ordinariness of your life, you can't become extraordinary. In other words, you yeah. sort of have to come to the point where you realize I'm not going to amount to anything continuing on as I am. <laughs> there there has to be That's a, a really scary like yeah. yeah. Yeah, but once you confront it, it is a little depressing at first, but I discovered once you confront that, there's a peace that comes over you and then yep. suddenly you're coming from a place of like curiosity about the world. Now you're trying to find something mm-hmm. out, you know. It's a little bit Mark yeah. Manson, but now you're trying to... No, whereas before you'd be making excuses because you'd be running from that realization, I think. Yeah. But before you have it, before you realize, yeah, if I keep doing what the things I've always been been done, I'm going to get the same results. I'm going to be mediocre. Exactly. And until you accept that, you spend your whole life running from it and making excuses. That's right. And you can't, you can't not be mediocre when you make the decision not to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. And shortly other con- after confronting that, I'm finding myself gradually moving towards my dreams and living the dream that I'd set out to. And that's a whole different feeling too. It's a, it's actually kind of a strange feeling. But now, you know, I haven't mentioned this on the podcast yet, but I, I get to travel the world while building my business. This, I mean, what could be more exciting, right? I wanted that location independence. It was next on my list. But I wasn't sure how long that was going to take or when I'd be able to do that. And having arrived here, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's a very, very interesting feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We were talking about this at the conference too, weren't we? We were talking we were. about, it's, it's like music. You know, you practice for years and years and years and you just steadily and slowly get better. It's not like one day you wake up and you're like, oh my God, I'm arri- I've arrived. I'm the, I'm the musician I've always wanted to be. It's not like that. You know what I mean? It's just slow, steady progress and daily uh, making the habit of becoming a musician. You become a musician, right? And it's a lifestyle. It's a choice. It's an action. It's a habit. Yeah. Just like building a business, like you were talking about, is slowly, dude, slowly, so slowly, these <laughs> yes. incremental incremental things. Uh, um, and you, I was like, dude, you know, you, your location independence, that's a huge thing. I mean, for me, like that's getting to the point where I know had no longer had to go to my day job and I could focus fully uh, full time on my music business was something that happened pretty gradually but the biggest distinction was when i made that decision and how fast the results were because i had all this pent-up energy this Mm. pent-up desire um but then after that it's just been super slow just little slow milestones but yeah dude it's the same thing with music you know well it's so easy to compare yourself to some of these music marketing wizards who seemingly come out of nowhere and suddenly are, are taking up the market but Right now, Greg, you're you're kind of that guy because you you built up your chops and now you came along and you've built Musician Monster and you're doing some cool things. 
Well, thanks, Ben. <laughs> I'm. Well, you know, it's interesting. I my success in my music didn't come from digital marketing. It came from live show marketing, right. marketing at my live shows, and using the internet as infrastructure to facilitate and scale. But digital marketing has is always. It's a lot harder to get noticed online than it is on stage. Hmm. You know what I mean? Because when you're on stage, everybody's looking at you. Yeah. So you have that attention. But when you're online, it's like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> or, you know. So, yeah, it's taken a long time. But I feel like I'm finally getting, finally seeing progress, dude. And it's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. It's really cool. And I guess my point is that <clears throat> you've heard it before, but every success is, is you know is 10 years in the making every overnight success is 10 years in the making even as a musician like i don't know i mean i guess there are a few virtuosos but even like mozart started playing piano when he was three you know so you got to think like by the time he was 13 he had been playing for 10 years mm -hmm. you know what i mean so if you met mozart when he was 13 you'd be like holy shit this guy's amazing he's a natural what a genius Mm -hmm. no he's just been practicing every day for 12 hours for 10 years you know yeah you know that's been a theme in even some of my earliest podcast recordings was this whole idea that you could be the absolute best guitarist in the world but if you're not on youtube <laughs> like people can't find you if you're still yeah. sitting and they, they could still be out there honestly they could be sitting in their basement somewhere in czech republic or whatever and and they're not discovered and nobody knows who they are because they they don't have any marketing or anything behind them. Yeah, going back to what you said about uh, price, definitely there are you know more affordable ways of doing it. I think coming from Canada, you probably will end up paying somewhere between three five hundred dollars for for the flight. Uh, that just seems kind of inevitable. But like Greg, you can totally stay at a Airbnb. I was on vacation, so I ended up staying at a at a hotel, but a cheap hotel <laughs> nonetheless. Uh, so I could kind of relax and and be in a little bit of of comfort. But coming from Canada, yeah, it might cost you a, a little bit more. In the states, I'm guessing most flights are going to be pretty reasonable. Yeah, and also um, they do. If you're if you're in Europe or if if you're in Australia, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> if you're in Australia, you <laughs> do not know what to tell you. But um, yeah, if you're in Europe, I do believe they do an, a European version of the DIY Musician Conference, and there there are also I think mid, there are tons of conferences for musicians in Europe. So you don't necessarily have to fly all the way out to the states um, to That's go to right. a conference, but um, yeah. So yeah. don't let don't let cost be a factor. Valencia, Spain. Yeah, that's usually where they have it uh, in in Europe, and it looks looks promising. <laughs> Dude, the weather in Spain. Have you ever been to Spain? I haven't. Dude, the weather is pretty good. It's it's funny because all the UK people like are super nice, but the weather there is just total shite. Like it rains all the time. So when we we were in the UK for like six months, and then we flew to Spain, and I was like, oh my gosh, this weather is amazing. Weather really does affect things. Like I didn't, I'm from Florida. I didn't really realize it until I was in Florida my whole life till, till like a few years ago. I'd never even seen snow before until about a year and a half ago. And I didn't realize how much weather affects things. So go to Spain and experience the beautiful weather at least for a week, and then you can go back. But in you, it's just it's just great. I highly recommend it. Hmm. 
Yeah, weather is quite a bit different depending on where you go. And, and speaking of which, Austin, <laughs> uh, it's basically like walking out into a sauna anytime you go aside. That's that's my impression of it. Oh, yeah, it was bad, dude. <laughs> I'm from Florida, and it was bad. I don't know if it was bad. Uh, just something to be mindful. It was pretty bad. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Well, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I'm weird like like that. But well, I'm uh, from Florida, and I used to I used to work in construction, so like in the heat outside. And I've been, become pretty heat averse, where I actually really like the cold. Like I'm praying for cold and snow mm. now. So I might be a freak of nature too. Yeah, I don't know. I've just been in Canada for twenty plus years of my life, <laughs> so. We get uh, we barely get a summer. It just doesn't last long enough, Greg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if I was if I was used to seeing snow all the time and it was cold all the time, I would probably be begging for some heat too. Yeah. So did absolutely. You, did you have any other impressions of of Austin? Did you get to see anything else? No, we walked around a bit. Um, you and I did when we went to lunch. Yes. Um, and there was a oh, dude, there dude with a, there was a dude with a with a chicken on his shoulder, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah, that was the, the. So I guess they they've had some home more homeless people in Austin. Uh, so there were some homeless people uh, around, but they were pretty interesting, right? Yeah. That one guy who was who was yelling out what something about Jesus or something, and then the guy with the chicken on his shoulder. Yes. No, he was saying my name's not Jesus. It's Jesus. There's no J in the something <laughs> alphabet. He did say like, that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess to offer like a general overview of Austin, it is the live music capital of the world, or so they say. Uh, third fastest growing city in the States right now. And people are saying it's the new Silicon Valley. So there you Interesting. go. Yeah. So that makes it a, I think because of all these new, new jobs that are being created and startups and all that, that's what's driving a lot of young people now to, to the city of Austin. But yeah, you you do have the heat to contend contend with for sure. Any other memorable moments from the conference? No, nothing stands out, man. I think we covered them all. It was Excellent. a great time. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good time. So yeah, again next year it's in Austin again, and hopefully we'll see you all down there, all a thousand listeners of this show. <laughs> you better be awesome. there. You better be there. Okay. Well, thanks so we'll much. We'll have a party. Yeah, exactly. We'll get together. We'll have a party. Thanks so much for your time, Greg. You're welcome, David. All right. In my first book, The New Music Industry, Adapting, Growing, and Thriving in the Information Age, I talk more about going to conferences and events and the importance of it. So if you'd like to learn more, go to musicentrepreneurhq.com slash ebook. Don't get caught up in the URL. It's not just an ebook, it's a physical book too. And you can see what people have had to say about it. And there have been some very kind words. Go to musicentrepreneurhq.com slash ebook to claim your copy and begin your personal growth journey. Thank you for listening. Music in this episode was brought to you by Brian Young. Wherever you're listening to this right now, please consider leaving a five-star review and comment to help us get the word out about the podcast. <laughs>